0: Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com mailbag podcast. Glad to have you along with us. Be sure to check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control at their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can give them a call at 865-299-2290. Check them out on Twitter at Blue H 20 underscore climate And again, for all your HVAC needs, call Jeremy and his staff at Blue Water Climate Control or book an appointment online, and uh, they will send someone out to... Uh, look at your system, tell you what you need, uh, and we'll tell you what you don't need, and we'll take care of any repair or any tune-up that you need. That's Blue Water Climate Control. We'll jump right into the questions. we got a good, uh, good number of them here in this week's podcast, so away we go with C.D., Vaughn, Austin, uh, and Rob, and the question is, what is your response to people who say, if Tennessee doesn't make a change this year, it means the administration doesn't care about having a winning football program?
1: I don't think that's true, but I think that there's enough people that think, you know, hey, we've 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 done the three and done, you know, route before. Why not give somebody an extra year to see, you know, if 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 it's simply a quarterback issue or if it's the overall shebang issue. So I mean like, you know, I, I to think that people don't care if they win or not, to me that is laughable. I think that's just a, a cop out answer because you, you whoever you know, people have their own agendas, so they want they want there to be a change. This board, our board, wants a change. Right, wrong, or indifferent hubs—that's what they want. They're done with this staff, ready to move to the next guy, whoever that is. And uh, you know, they they, they don't want to see a year four. They they want they want to just start over. And and that's just you know that's the common face of fans and commonplace with you
2: know um, with college football in general anymore. Yeah, I'm with you, AP. I mean, I think it's, I think laughable is a good word to think that the administration doesn't want to win for, you know, all the financial incentives that are there for you if you do win at a high level, you know, not just athletically or TV revenue and that kind of stuff. But it increases, I mean, look, I mean, it increases enrollment even. I mean, look at Alabama right now. I mean, so, I mean, to say that they don't want to win is just, I mean, that's berserko to me.
0: Yeah, I can tell you this. Randy Boyd, as the the president of the UT system, has told people uh, repeatedly that if you want to grow your campus, it's not just about having good academics. But your football program in the South, your football programs need to win. And uh, so I, I think that they want to win. I don't think they're against winning. I don't think that they that that they don't care. Everybody celebrated Philip Fulmer going in as an athletic director because he did care, because he was Tennessee to the core. And uh, I don't think Philip Fulmer suddenly doesn't care about Tennessee or doesn't care about winning. Uh, Doesn't mean you agree with their decisions, depending on what those decisions are at at the end of this season or whenever. Uh, But I don't think it means just because it's not an opinion you agree with. I don't think it means that they don't care whether they win or lose games because I just don't believe that to be the case. All right. DC vol 79 with a question for you, Rob Lewis, X's and O's is Barnes, the best coach you've covered. If not, then who is in your opinion?
2: I mean, I'm not a good enough X's and O's expert myself to really answer that. I would – I'll tell you what he is the best I've ever covered at is running your program for 12 years on and off – or 12 months on and off the court. No question, hands down, not close. You know, I'm talking strength and conditioning. I'm talking, you know, building the culture by, first off, recruiting the, the kind of kids that, that are going to be able to take you. And then, you know, setting a standard and holding them to it every single day. I mean, he is the most consistent, most relentless dude I have ever been around when it, when it comes to that X's and O's wise, obviously, I mean, the one as many games as he has, he's good. I put BP certainly, you know, right up there with him. I mean, and I go back now to, I mean, BP sidelines of the basket out of bounds stuff. I, I always thought it was fantastic. They spent tons of time on that in practice all the time and it showed up, but uh, you know, it's, I think Rick can certainly call a timeout and grab a clipboard just like he did last night with 52 seconds left or so and and drew up a play where, you know, Fulkerson got a great look, got fouled and hit two foul shots to kind of seal it. So I I would say BP and Rick and, you know, I don't think it's, close beyond that although Donnie Temple could, could draw his basketball plays yeah, he's an underrated he didn't he know how has, to run and a he's program he's on the other end of the spectrum from <laughs> Rick 12, 12 months a year 365 days a year as far as running your program and
0: building the culture yeah no question about Kevin O'Neill and Jerry Green um no Uh, S. Pitball (laughs) wants to know 12 years ago if someone would have told me that Tennessee would be a consistent bottom feeder in the SEC, I would have thought they were out of their mind. Today we're seemingly as far away as we've ever been from getting the program on solid footing. What has to happen for this nightmare to end? I think the fan base is seriously starting to lose hope that the program will ever be a poor man's version of what it used to be. I'm going to start on this one first because I think it's a good question. and I I think this is a topic that you hear a lot about. Um, one, I've said this for years: forty-five and five in the '90s was never appreciated the way it should have been appreciated. Um, you know, there was gnashing of the teeth because Steve Spurrier won every year, and, and Philip Colver couldn't beat uh, Steve Spurrier. There was not enough appreciation for going to the ball yard um, the rest of the Saturdays uh, of the year and go. Eh, how bad's it going to be today? You know, people were bored going to watch Tennessee and South Carolina play because they knew it was not even going to be a competitive game with where South Carolina was and where, where Tennessee was. Um, so I think it's a different time. I think the league got better. I think the league got better because of schools like Tennessee uh, and the success they had. I think, you know, I think because of Florida. I mean, I think, you know, Alabama, whether they fell into him or badgered him enough till he took the job. I mean, Nick Saban was hired in part to beat Tennessee. that's a big reason why Nick Saban was hired as the coach. Mark Rick was hired at Georgia to beat Tennessee. So I don't think there was an appreciation for how good Tennessee was in the nineties in terms of getting at us. I mean, this is a program that beat Florida and Georgia just a few years ago and won nine games back-to-back seasons. I think it starts with the quarterback position. I don't know that Jeremy Pruitt's the right guy for this job, but I I, I think this, I don't think he's got a had a quarterback who could do what Josh Dobbs did for Butch Jones. Um, and other quarterbacks through, through the program. I, I don't think they've had that kind of success there. If they get good quarterback play, do they suddenly compete for the championship? I don't know that either, but but I think it starts there, at least in my opinion.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like uh, the fact that Jarrett has been the starter here for basically three and a half years. I mean, you, you know, he, and, he, he took over about halfway through the year in 17 from Quentin, um, and, and – you know, and has done it with, you know, mediocre quarterback play, and Tennessee's never been able to find anybody to unseat him or go in a different direction with, is really mind-boggling. And it's been a long, almost four years of, you know, of, you know, head-scratching play at that position. Um, and so that's, to me, a big reason why Tennessee's never really got off the map. They found a way to kind of stumble through, you know, eight games last year, um, you know, and and, and get wins in in kind of low scoring fashion, but that's not today's football. So, you know, I think you've got to find ways to score points and Tennessee's got to hit on somebody, whether that's a a transfer, whether that's Harrison Bailey, whether that's, you know, JT Shrout, finally the light coming on for him, whoever, um, you know, to me, it all starts with the quarterback position and
2: then you trickle down from there. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I don't don't want to oversimplify it because I mean you need more than that, but, Right. I would, if you look just back at recent history, as as offensive offense has evolved, and what we've seen in this league, I would argue that if you're going to compete, like be one of the top two teams in either division, you better have it. You have to have an NFL quarterback on your roster. Maybe not a starter, but somebody like Jake Fromm that's going to get drafted. And if you're going to win this league, you better have a first round pick, calling the shots, and you know maybe a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, look at me, Tua fifth pick in the draft, Joe Burrow, first pick in the draft and go keep going on. I mean, look what, what we're seeing this year, Kyle Trask. That's an NFL quarterback, Matt Jones. I would never have thought it, but he's certainly an NFL quarterback. And it's, that's the, that's the way the game is, is gone
0: these days. Well, I mean, you, you go look at Texas A&M when they had their run a few years ago, why Johnny Manziel, now he didn't turn out to be a good NFL quarterback, but the, the guy changed college football and he, and he changed in a lot of ways. And, I mean that was the reason why A&M was there. You 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 just don't find and it's it's this is going to happen less and less and that's find a team who's winning big time who has mediocre quarterback play or serviceable quarterback play. Guys got to be able to make plays for you and, and go out and, and win games for you. And, and Tennessee's not had enough of that. I'm with you, Rob, and Austin both. It's more than just that, but I think that's where it starts. Uh Vol up North wants to know, do you guys think Jeremy Pruitt may go in a different direction for an offensive coordinator next year and revamp the offense. Chaney seems, in my opinion, to be a little dated with his offensive scheme. In today's SEC, if you aren't scoring almost 30 points a game, you are falling behind Thanks. I think it goes back to what we just said. I think in Chaney's scheme, he has to have really good quarterback play and what, Ch- what Jim Chaney wants to do, um, you know, but because he wants to play, play, action, pass, He wants to make the skilled throws. I I think for Jim Cheney to be successful, he has to have really good, uh, you know, quarterback good, really good production at the quarterback position with the arm because he's not using a quarterback who does a whole lot with his legs. Um, I'd like to see what you know Kyle Trask would do in a Jim Cheney offense. Would this off? Would that offense be putting up thirty points a game? You know, um, we'll see. I, I don't know. Uh, Austin, do you think Jim Cheney or do you think Jeremy Pruitt goes in a different direction with Jim Cheney, given he's got a year left on the quarterback? I think right now all bets are off the table in terms of what the staff looks like a year from now. That's where yeah. I'm at.
2: And I mean, how hard is it going to be for Jeremy to to hire somebody when you know, anybody? It's not going to be hard for for a candidate to you know get the pulse of this fan base and and get the feel that next year's do or die. I mean, who wants well, to come in for that?
1: I just feel like, you know, if you're Phillip Fulmer and you're, you know, the powers that be, you know, if you're going to let him decide to make another change at the coordinator spot, to me, you better be committed for two years. Because I mean, like letting somebody, you know, make a change, you know, um, for a one-year thing or one-year trial C to me just seems silly. Like you better be committed for at least two more years if you're going to go that route, you know, I, I just, you're going to have to pay 1.7 for Jim to go away. Like, and, and all these people that are like, well, you know, he could just coach a line. Okay. I'm sure that would go over like a turd in the punch bowl, much like somebody suggested on the board, you know, do you see, you know, will Muschamp coming as the DC and Derek Hansley just coaching defensive backs. No, I don't, you know, We're I, not
2: Peyton, Peyton is quarterback's coach AP. Guess, no, like that. That, but,
1: no, that that, that like the, the, I can actually like I understand the question of like DA just to coach DBs, but like DA ain't doing that. Just like Jim Chaney ain't going to just coach O line. Like you know the Peyton thing always cracks me up because that's just you know how fans are. Every time there's a linebacker opening, Al Wilson, we're gonna hire Al. You know, what I mean like
0: yeah, I just but, think it's it's hard for a guy to take a demotion.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean Shareer did it, and 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 struggled his way through it, but that's kind of because Kevin didn't have anything that particular year. Now he's, you know, Hey, on top of the division, with the New York football giants.
0: Well, and here's the other thing too. Kevin Shearer didn't call all the defenses when he was defensive coordinator either. Correct. So, I mean, he, it's not like he had the responsibility that Jim Cheney has on the offensive side of the ball or anything like that. So um, I think it's hard for a guy to, to take that kind of demotion um, and, and not be a play caller. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. Again, I think all bets with the staff are off the table um, – or on the table, excuse me, uh, at this point in time. All right, Ramrod, 495. Why do you think we only throw the tight end and mop up duty? No, they aren't dynamic, but seems to have good hands. Could be chain movers. Hey, listen, I'll be honest with you, Ramrod. There's a lot of things I don't understand about play calling um, and about personnel decisions that they make on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Jeremy Pruitt was asked Wednesday night on Vol Calls about – rotating you know the the offensive lineman why you take jerome carvin out after the 96 yard touchdown drive his response was we had a plan i don't know why they had a plan but he said they had a plan to, to rotate those guys and do things and there's there's a lot of stuff that that are head scratchers you know in, in terms of play calling and in terms of personnel decision at least head scratchers to me that that i don't completely understand
1: well i mean you know best laid plans you know always go you know awry you know i mean like how many times have you know you thought okay hey we're gonna get this kid in in this spot and then that time comes and like down in distance or or you know situation in football game just doesn't dictate it like to me like that's I, I, that's just head scratching to me like that's not really an excuse we had a plan I mean like you know again I think that yeah everybody's got a plan but that always changes depending on what's going on in a football game. And if you just had success with a guy, why would you go away from him? I mean, yeah. they did that at South Carolina. Made
0: no sense then either. Yeah. I do say this specifically about the tight ends, Rob. I think those those guys have shown pretty nice hands. I don't know how much they can get open if a, if a defense is really clamped down on them. Maybe they're open because you know they've, they've had the ball thrown towards them during some prevent time late in the game, stuff like that. But when the ball's been thrown at them, they've done a pretty good job catching the football.
2: And Jacob Warren made a heck of a catch at Auburn down the field. Yep, on a, on a high ball. I've I've always been intrigued by Warren. I mean, I know he's not you know you, you, not the guy that you want to lean on on third and one when you're when you're running the football, but I've always thought he had potential as, as a target.
1: Well, he's just so big. He's he's so long. I mean, six seven, you know, with that big wingspan, you
0: know. So I mean, I, I get the intrigue. All right, let's go to Goval's twenty one to you, Austin. If Simpson is deciding in January, how do you feel about Tennessee's chances? The season struggles seem to slow down the momentum, and the twenty two in state class would a commitment from Ty Simpson change that momentum?
1: I think it would change it. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, you know, for Ty, I've said all along, Tennessee has positioned themselves as well as they can. But with that said, you know. He, he's been looking for something offensively from him, and just hadn't seen a whole lot. Now um, he's also been here three times. So if you simply follow the visits, like, you know, Tennessee's in really good shape here, but you know, I, I think that Alabama's lurking to me, it's Alabama number two, and then Clemson number three. I just think that the lack of desire to want to go to Sy- Syracuse and Louisville and Pittsburgh is something that that really
0: hurts Clemson which is why you see him as an SEC guy. Ultimately, I do. When it's yeah, football. I
1: mean, I, I, to me, like, he's looking for stability with his coaches. So, like, you know, he, you know I don't think the Winky thing's is as important as it used to be, but, like, you know, he, he likes Sarkeesian. you know. But, I mean, the facts are, like, guys like Winky and Sarkeesian are likely not going to be in their roles when he gets there. So, you, you, you've got to be able to give a little there, you know, or because, you know, there is stability at Clemson on their staff. And, you know, or you got to be willing to give a little bit on, you
0: know, not wanting to go to Pittsburgh and Syracuse and Louisville. Boston College. Boston College. Exactly. I heart chestnut hill, man. It's it's rocking. I heart Vols wants to know. uh, I'd like to hear you guys discuss some of the coaches you've covered, head coaches and assistants, both football and basketball, who are relatively unknown when they arrive. But after talking to them, you walked away impressed with their understanding of their sport guys like justin wilcox dave clausen even though his time here didn't go very well steve forbes perhaps some guys you guys covered who you were impressed with in, in covering them um look I'll, I'll start with that i mean i think justin wilcox and dave clausen are, are two great examples of that clausen was a bad fit here but it didn't take it, it didn't take a long conversation to understand the guy was a smart dude who, who knew what he was talking about and, and had his system maybe didn't everybody didn't Um, agree with his system or adapt to his system or buy into his system, but he certainly had a plan in in what he was doing. Uh, Justin Wilcox is a guy that you could stand and talk ball with all the time, I thought. I mean, I really did. I would also throw Sam Pittman in that. I didn't think Sam Pittman would be a head coach in the SEC, but any conversation you had with Sam Pittman, you you knew the guy was really smart and and really uh, impressive and, and was very good at his craft in terms of coaching guys, Rob.
2: Yeah, I would throw Pittman and, and Jay Willie in there too. I, I mean those were two guys, that were, you know, down to earth, easy, easy to have a conversation with. i uh, I always got to kick out a trooper. <laughs> not, you know, not not surprised. He was a great recruiter and not surprised at anything at all that about how his career has gone <laughs> since after getting to know him. But I, I, I like me some trooper on the basketball side, I man. you got you all know Steve Forbes is my guy still talk to him uh he was just the dog man he's he's probably the best guy that has been through here in my opinion that could do both that could coach kids could get kids to play hard and also was a just a dog and recruiter and i think the i mean it's not rick says it all the time and i don't think it's coach speak but I, i think this the three guys he has now is the best total collection of staff i think des oliver Michael Schwartz and Kim English will all be head coaches at some point in time. And it may not be, you know, North Carolina or Kansas, but you know, those guys are going to be running their programs at some point in time, because like Forbes, they can, they can do it all. They're not, one guy's not the recruiter. One guy's not the exes of those guys. They can, they, they all, they all can do both.
1: Yeah. For me, I mean, like, you know, I, I think Azani is probably a guy that to me like is, is more of a football guy than I actually realized when he first got here. Um, to me, I think he, he seemed like when he first got here so much about, you know, the Twitter and the, the, the
0: catchphrases,
1: the catchphrases and... and the, the colorful armbands and stuff like that. And, and you know, backpack. having gotten to know him pretty well, I mean, he's a guy that's quickly rising up the ranks. Um, you know, I think Derek Ansley's another guy, though, like, that, you know, is smarter than everybody thinks he is. I mean, I think he's still learning. I mean, he's still a young football coach. I mean, what is he, late 30s, I think? I mean, maybe 40. Um, You know, he's still a young football coach that's, you know, going to be, a, I think, a head coach one day.
0: I'll throw two more in and we'll go to the next question. Um, Doug Marone was only here a year, but Doug Marone knew his stuff. And you could tell that Doug Marone, of course, he had, he had had some successes elsewhere, but you could tell and knew that Doug Marone was going to go places. Now, he's getting ready to lose his job, I think, in Jacksonville. But, th- but that guy's, you know, had success in the National Football League as, as a, an assistant coach and, a, and as a head coach. And then in the GA ranks, Shane Beamer was here. Y- you knew that, you know, he was going to have opportunities in part because his last name, but he was a really smart guy. And then Jason Michaels, another guy as a GA uh, who passed back through here for a year, who's now with the Indianapolis Colts. Jason Michaels a smart guy. I mean, he, he could have a chance to be a head coach or a coordinator in the, in the NFL, not just in an interim tag, but, but you know, in a full-time basis at some point. He's in a pretty good spot, I think, with the Colts right now with Frank Wright.
1: Right. I'll tell you another guy that I, I really like is Matt Luke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think a, a genuinely
0: and, nice guy. And that's a guy when he was hired, I went, oh, Cutcliffe hired his buddy. You know, Cutcliffe hired a friend. I mean, he was not the most – I mean, he was young, and you're like, okay, what's this all about here? But, uh, you know, Matt's Matt's a solid guy who's a good recruiter, um, who's done, you know, a a solid job with that old line at um, Georgia, and he got his kids to play hard at Ole Miss. They didn't always play smart but his kids played hard at Ole Miss. He was in an impossible situation thanks to the guy that everybody at the general's quarters wants. Yep, he, he, he left them with he – he got handed a, a job with a lot of pieces to pick up, and he did a pretty solid job picking those pieces up. All right, let's get rolling here to a couple more questions. Vol 10-24, what happens with linebacker coaching is if a change is made, is Tosh a realistic candidate for that job? Bo Davis, Tosh, Pruitt, Ansley make up a pretty strong defensive staff. I said it earlier, I think everything's off the, everything's on the table. Bo Davis makes the most sense because he's available right now as a defensive line coach. Um, We'll see what happens at the linebacker position and what happens with Brian Niedermeyer uh, with a contract that is expiring there. But, um, you know, you never say never on anything at this point in time with where this season's at as it gets ready to, to move towards a close here. Uh, 19 ball 70, in your opinion, what number of assistants leaving after this season, for whatever reason, would be the tipping point where the UT decision-makers would decide to move on with Pruitt before the 21 season? I, I don't know that there is – I mean, I don't know if there's a number. I mean, I, you know, I don't think the staff's going to have a walkout. You know, uh, I don't think everybody on the staff's leaving. I don't think nine assistants are leaving or seven assistants are leaving. Um, I think there'll be staff turnover. Um, if Jeremy Pruitt is back, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I don't know that it will be this, you know, large mass exodus that everybody has, has kind of pointed it to be. Look, T. Martin's trying to get a head job. We know that. Um, I don't know that Derek Ansley's looking to leave. Um, I don't know that Jay Graham or Joe is looking to leave or Will Friend's looking to leave. You know, we'll see what happens with Winky. Obviously, they've got to hire a, a, a you know, a defensive line coach. But I, I don't know that this. You know, I don't know that it's a situation where seven guys are going to leave as, as a lot of people have tried to point out there personally. Um, all right, we'll keep rolling along here. Let's go to, uh, the next one is, does anybody have an update on Eric Berry? Why doesn't he and his brothers come back around the program? AP, you got anything on Eric Berry? Oh, I haven't heard anything. I mean, he he
1: he was training the entire off season, um, to come back, he was going to go to the Colts, and then that fell through. Um, one of the brothers is running some type of, you know, behind-the-scenes organization for EB. Um, and then I'm not sure about the other one. I
0: surprised Evan didn't get a
2: crack at returning kicks in the NFL. Really okay. surprised it
0: Well, I think part of that's because you didn't have a normal training camp. You know, you had, a, you had an unusual offseason in the NFL, which – you know, would have hurt him in this, this past year, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I don't know that he had enough skill set outside of returning kick. Well, he couldn't do anything else for you. you know, but he's to, the best I've ever seen
2: at that. Yeah.
0: But you know, with so many guys kicking it through the end zone, I don't know what you put something on your 53 man spot. I mean, Cordero's had to find a way to stay in the league beyond being a kick returner, which is why they were, you know, he dabbles a little bit as a, uh, running back and as a receiver and in a special teams guy as well, because you, you just can't be a return guy on a 53 man roster. They're not going to hold many of those. Uh, all right. Missed from the chat. You guys all seem to, you all have seen the writing on the wall for the exit of the last previous head coaches do lost to Kentucky, butch to Vanderbilt and 16, et cetera. My question to you is, is the writing on the wall yet for Jeremy Pruitt, the current trend is not looking promising and he goes through all the the issues that that Tennessee has had. Um, I'll say this. No, I don't know that the writing is on the wall yet. I thought the problem with Dooley's loss to Kentucky was not just that a wide receiver playing quarterback beat Tennessee. That's bad enough. That team didn't want to play that day. With a bowl game on the line, Derek Dooley could not get that team to line up and play hard. And, and, and win the football game. Um, and then I think with Butch in 16, that was much more about the opportunity lost, you know, and, and the way that they lost that and the fact that they, um, you know, blew the game to South Carolina and, you know, blew a game to Vanderbilt and missed out on an opportunity with a great team. Not and, and, and then follow ahead. that up with an 0 and 8. Right, and then followed that up with with an 0 and 8. I, I mean, if – look – if if Butch Jones doesn't go 0-8, then Vanderbilt 16 doesn't get him fired. It's an ugly loss, but if he comes back the next year and has a solid year, then I don't think he's I don't think he's out the door. And that team quit. That team quit in, in Butch's last year.
2: And th- this team has not done that at all. Yeah,
0: yeah, they have not. I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Um, all right, let's go to Ten Ken, 1985. Thoughts on quarterback having to pick himself up after each of the six sacks this past week. All seems to be culture issues, coaching disagreements from above, uh, staff not taking pay cuts. I work for UTAV. If I work for UTAD, would be absolutely livid quarterback decision, blah, 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 blah. You think it's a big deal that the uh, an offensive lineman didn't come get the quarterback off the ground after a sack?
1: I think that, that this was a um... – you know, it's kind of like that that picture of Trooper and Butch from back in the day when they played Arkansas State, and you know, it looks like Butch is yelling. And I know it's video versus a still picture, but I think you you, you cherry pick one moment in time and make a big deal out of bigger deal out of it than it is. I mean, like that's how I feel. I'm not saying that it's you know they shouldn't have went not help pick him up, but at the same time, I mean, like it's it's one moment in time like again all the people that are gnashing teeth and saying all the crap did they go and count every other play did they go count every other play when he got knocked down or sacked and 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 every time it was the same thing you know i, I just that that's where i have an issue is somebody cherry picks one three second clip and then tries to make a big deal out of it because guess what everybody's done with the staff so again you're trying to fit your narrative in that the players don't care because Jeremy's not any good they need to move on from Jeremy so the players will care and they'll pick up their quarterback again like that that's how I look at this I really do like I just think that again people are trying to fit their narrative in and their narrative right now is they want change
2: yeah I just I don't get the culture I think the culture issues are overblown people want to believe it because they've lost six in a row but Last three games, they have come out and have, have play, played hard. I mean, that's 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 what I judge it on. They were they had they had a lead at Arkansas in the first half. At halftime, they had the lead at, at Auburn in the first half, and with two minutes to go in the second quarter against
0: Florida, number six team in the country, it's ten to seven.
2: I mean, these kids these kids are still playing hard.
0: Yep, I don't disagree with that for sure. Um, all right, a couple more here. CFF wants to know uh, in a discussion about next year's transfer. You all said that some transfers might not have anywhere to go, but really good players will know where they're going. Can those guys speak with other schools before they enter the portal? Sure. Are they supposed to? No, but they all, everybody keeps everybody's number in recruiting, and I can promise you those guys have sent a text message. Some of those guys have sent a text message to schools they would have interested in interest in and said, hey, if I leave, could, would you have a spot for me? I mean, I think that happens on a regular basis. At all levels. I think I think kids, uh, that's how those kids have an idea. The ones who don't do that are the ones who end up playing at a level that they didn't expect to play at when they entered the transfer portal. Um, I think more your high-profile guys, when they enter the transfer portal, they already know where they're going or You're what right. their the top two places because of conversations they've had with coaches.
2: Yeah, like Jordan Adams ain't going to
0: Alabama. You mean Jordan Allen?
2: Yeah, Jordan Allen, excuse yeah. me. Going to Alabama.
0: Yeah. Hunter, uh, 8409, with Salter being labeled just a dude and with Bailey and Shroud being decent but not amazing, has UT garnered any interest from quarterbacks in the transfer portal? I know Tennessee will be looking, but has anyone looked our way as far as you know?
1: Hold on a the, the guys take – again, this is – a dude is like – It's a compliment. A, that's a compliment, not just an average Joe. Like uh, – like, I wonder why people were act, were overreacting to that the other night. Like, they view him as a, a playmaker, a guy. Like, a, a, a guy like, that can you'd be have, a different
2: – They'd have to hear you say it. Like, what do they think about Caden Sauter, man? They think he's a
1: dude. <laughs> yes. Again, it's written word. Like, a, good grief.
0: Moving on. Um, in terms of quarterbacks reaching out to Tennessee, I'm not aware of any at this point, but that's not to say they haven't, right? I mean, I think Tennessee's looked at, avail- at, at available quarterbacks out there, but I don't know if they've had any kind of in-depth conversations with anybody at all at this point in time. Um, yeah, that's correct. And I don't know how many quarterbacks are even in the portal. I've not, really, I've not looked at that. I've not seen a bunch of big-name quarterbacks or high-profile-name quarterbacks who've jumped in the portal. Uh, Vol Stillman wants to know, is this Vandy team the worst SEC team in the last 20 years? Um, it's one of the worst, in my opinion. I, don't I mean, The know one they're putting
2: it. on the field right now after the defections and the you know, contact tracing and everything is it's, it's got to be in the discussion.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right. New Mex Vol, I understand that due to contact tracing, young players have not had the opportunity to grow in the system fast enough due to the incoming one-time transfer rule. Do you feel the coaching staff has been careful uh, promoting young players later in the season to ensure veterans know uh, they are important to the future of the program? No, I think I don't, I don't think you're sitting there going, "Well, we're we're not going to play this guy because we don't want to make this other guy mad," um, or, or this type of thing. I mean, I think they're not playing the young some of those young players because they don't feel like they're ready. And I'm not sure that that's the right answer. I mean, Vellis Jones is a guy who didn't get targeted basically for six weeks and then came back last week against Florida and looked like he play he could play and should have had more opportunities to play. So um, I, I don't I don't think that that's necessarily the the case at all. All right, two more um and I'll try to get two more in here and then we're gonna we'll get out the door here of all 31 31 personnel decisions have been my biggest hang up with the staff choosing to play jg game after game constant rotating of offensive linemen etc etc i don't believe for a second jim chaney t martin and some of these other coaches became bad coaches overnight do you think pruitt's making the calls on who plays in the game also, we know Chaney used to be very pass-happy and could always scheme guys open in the system. He seems to have done very little of that in his first two seasons. Again, is this Pruitt holding him back or lack of faith in the quarterback?
1: I think it's lack like of faith in the quarterback. This is not – Jeremy's not deciding who goes in games. Like, that, that's more so on the position coach. So, if, if, if the receivers haven't played and you don't, and you don't like the receivers since he's played, that's the receivers coach. Running backs, running backs coach. That's not a – you know, Jeremy has pleaded with those guys to play more of those younger players, but those position coaches are with them every
0: day, and, you know, they like the older guys. All right, last question here. Why does Tennessee have so much bad luck with Juco transfer players in the last 15 years outside of CP and Kamara? No one else has lived up to the hype. And two, I know Niedermeyer's a young coach, but both groups that he's – Uh, been the leader of, have underperformed, what's holding him back. Tennessee's website lists all these players he's helped develop. Was it him developing them or just the players themselves being highly ranked players that make him look good? Let's start with number one. Why the bad luck on the JUCO teams? I I haven't looked at this, and I don't know that I'll have time anytime soon. I I don't know how many impact JUCO players you see around the country year in and year out. I I bet the rate of, quote, bust for those guys is pretty high.
2: The last one. I, remember, I mean, I'm and I'm sure that there are others, but uh, wasn't Quentin Williams, the JUCO, the Bama, a couple years ago? Yeah. Yes, That's I mean,
0: I don't remember one. his story though. Was was he a guy who didn't qualify, or was he like a Camara deal where he went somewhere yeah. and then transferred and then came? I don't even. I don't even think Camara counts when right, you sign with Bama. When right. You sign with Bama as a five star
2: and then go JUCO. Camara is like is like Cam Newton. Yes. Now CP counts. Yeah. CP's – Right. I mean, CP's up there – what, you think he's up there with Dale Carter, however, for best Juco ever?
0: Oh, uh, he's up there pretty high. They probably didn't use him enough in the passing game. Um, but, I mean, they but, got they hit on so many right there, right around the turn of the century. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, recent, Mahalona, recent Battle.
0: Yeah. Oh, I thought I'm going back even further. with Yeah, in the I 90s, they hit it. on them big time, too. Yeah, for sure. It's just – it's been a bad – and, again, I think there's fewer and fewer impact Juco players but, than Butch, there's ever been. But Butch was horrible at it. I mean, oh yeah, they, those guys <laughs> were—they were—they. I mean, they—they they didn't Don land Davis anybody. Blair, that, that, Who was yeah. The, yeah, that's it. Tavius Blair.
2: Uh, he had a the couple of back defense. they took. That was a three to play, play three that just never got out of the field. It was Chris, Chris Weathered. Chris <laughs> Weathered was a, another one. I mean, I, I, wrote a, I wrote an article about it about Butch's JUCO recruiting a few years ago and did some research. I mean, it was just
0: brutal. Yeah, those weren't even orphans. It, it certainly was. All right, last quickly wanted to know about Niedermeyer. What what do you what do you think there? I think Brian's just a year, a learning coach. He's still learning on the job. Um, I mean, He's not like 32, 33. I mean. He probably gets credit for those guys because they were really good players when he, when he came in. And uh, probably had some people who were pretty good coaches overseeing him as, as well. And, again, I think Jeremy Pruitt would have been much more hands-on with the inside linebackers this year had he not taken over his decision, had he not taken over the defensive line coaching position. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the VaultQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.